podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. We are a month into the second season of this weekly show, and I appreciate you listening, especially in the dog days of summer when local sports are scarce. That's why I'm trying to bring in new and exciting guests, and this week is certainly all that and more. First of all, I have to say thank you to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor of this podcast. Northwestern Mutual is very involved in the community right here in Springfield, as are we, and that's why it's a perfect match. Okay, I'm headed to the mountains this weekend, and I'll be back in August, so the podcast is set and recorded and ready to roll for the next three weeks. This week is a very special guest who's also a supporter of Channel 1450. You may have seen the Washco Strength and Speed pre-rolls on Channel 1450. You may have seen the power rankings. Those are brought to you by Washco Strength and Speed, a local training facility for athletes right here in Springfield. Well, the guest this week is the owner, also a Springfield firefighter, and that's basically the last thing we talk about this week. Get yourself ready for an incredible conversation about the Washco family with Jared. Here it is. Another episode of The Download with DP. This time we got Jared Washco in to talk about, I don't know, I got a lot of questions, a lot of uh, comments, a lot of things that I hope you can share with me. Um, I just want to start with this, though. Uh, what does it feel like to wake up every day knowing that you are an absolute hero now <laughs> to your son knowing what he's been through and just setting that sort of example that's that's kind of where i want to yeah. start with things and we'll go whichever direction you want yeah no um it's it's pretty cool i mean you know i don't i mean it's kind of hitting us now that he's gotten better but um yeah it's it, I, you know people say uh you know how did you make the decision to donate and i don't know there's not really there wasn't really a decision to be made i mean when it's your kid you know it's like uh, and we were able to test me and my wife, and you know we knew from the beginning that he was going to need a kidney transplant. Um, so we always knew that this, we hoped that this day would come. But honestly, we didn't know if either of us would be a match. There was always that chance that it doesn't happen. So uh, we were fortunate enough to both of us be a match. Um, a good, you know, my wife was a really good match, and I was, you know, almost as as well. Um, but uh, we ultimately decided to move forward with with myself. Um, and once we did that, it was just yeah, let's go. I mean, uh, there's really no decision to be made when it's when it's your child and his life, and I mean, really our lives have changed tremendously. I don't think it's totally hit us yet, but um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride. I can't believe it's been two and a half years since he was born. So. Yeah. Yeah, dialysis every night for two and a half years, and we were ready to be done with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I get to sit around and actually watch like a Cardinal game. I was telling my wife last night, I was like, this is, I've watched more Cardinal games in the last week than I think I watched from April to, to kidney transplant. Yeah. It's just like with dialysis prep and his dressing changes, I mean, it was like, you know, hours every night of either doing dialysis stuff or, or trying to figure figure out what we were going to do that night because, you know, we were the doctors as far as prescription for his belly, you know, and yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, so, yeah, the dialysis being gone and getting rid of all that stuff is, has been just so such a weight lifted off our shoulders kind of jumped right into the transplant so let's mm -hmm. go back a little bit and do a backstory yeah um people might know the the tough like tie hashtag mm -hmm. um but give us a little you know preview of like the whole story where mm -hmm. obviously it started with him being born but did you yeah. guys know anything beforehand so um around we did the anatomy scan at like 21 weeks um and we found an enlarged bladder um so that enlarged bladder was concerning but 
we thought, you know, we were scared, but, you know, everything was going to be okay. It was just a blip in the radar that we would get taken care of. So we went to a specialist for this enlarged bladder. Um, he saw some signs that, okay, this could be this. This is what I think it is. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to get it taken care of. There's things we can do, so we're going to send you down to St. Louis. So they sent us to um, a fetal surgeon in St. Louis, uh, and he... He specializes in this, this type of thing. Um, we scanned the kidneys. That's what we were worried about. And uh, the kidneys looked okay at the time. This was like, you know, 24 weeks. Uh, they looked okay. looked like they were coming along. Um, there were some cysts on there, but nothing like, you know, me and you might have cysts on our kidneys. Like, it's not super uncommon. Um, so then after that, uh, so it was kind of the waiting game. Um, and then we were doing scans very frequently just to check on the bladder. Uh, it was still big, but he was still creating amniotic fluid. So that's where the concern was, and it was that he was creating amniotic fluid for himself, which is basically uh, baby urine, you know, in there yeah. when they're in the, uh, in the womb. So they create their own uh, amniotic fluid. So, but then we had a scan, and the fluid was, like, gone. Um, so obviously fluid's huge for lung development, so that's a huge concern, yeah. and just a bunch of other problems if you don't have amniotic fluid in there. So uh, then it became a concern, and we decided to, uh, we ended up going back down to St. Louis, and our fetal surgeon performed a procedure on my wife where they went into her, went into her uterus, basically skewered my son's bladder, like, while he was moving around, yeah. and uh, he had to precisely shove a needle right into the bladder, and release a shunt is what they call it and um, it's got a double pigtail and it it stays on the inside of his bladder and then it has to basically drain into my wife's uterus you know through through the amniotic sac uh that's so yeah i mean like so going it's, through that when you're talking millimeters i mean <laughs> it, it's millimeters uh yeah. when you really think about how tiny that is because he was at this procedure i think he was like 27 28 weeks Man. is around when we did this um and it was one of the things, it, there was risks involved with that procedure itself. It could have induced her into labor, which he would not have survived that at that time, um, just because of his lungs is what we learned, which we did not know at the time how, yeah. how bad his lungs were. Um, so when they released that that shunt, that started draining the bladder. And we would hope that would drain the bladder, and he would start to pee and create his own urine because that bladder was so big. Yeah. Um, so uh, it did drain the bladder a little bit, but it did not... Um, it did not uh, help him create urine. So at this point, we don't know what's going on. Um, and then it came to the point where we had a checkup in Springfield at the specialist to scan, and, and he still had no no fluid again. Um, I think he had had a little bit after they drained, but he wasn't creating enough. And then it was like no fluid. And by this time, he was 35 weeks. So um, they sent us down to St. Louis uh, to get checked on we thought yeah um they admitted us and told us no you're having this baby yeah. today so uh he was 35 6 uh and our fetal surgeon was actually like in china he's an he's like a world-renowned like educator and he does like all kinds of spina oh. bifida surgeries he's pioneered surgeries yeah um but that i mean so he sent us down he we called him from china that the doctors did and he said no we're going to deliver let's deliver he was like at the airport in china or something he made that call from there Gosh, yeah. he said no you're you're delivering um, so, so we delivered another obstacle type thing. Yeah, but we like, thought, this, yeah. okay, he's going to need, we knew he needed a procedure because we thought he had a blockage somewhere, yeah. uh, which he did. 
Um, but we didn't know the extent. We didn't know how bad his lungs would be, and we didn't know that he would have end-stage renal disease. We did not know this when he was being born. Um, we, in the back of my mind, I knew there was a chance that urine backed up the ureters into the system and, and damaged the kidneys, but we were hoping that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And we really did not expect his lungs to be at 35.6. Typically, your lungs are pretty developed, and, yeah. and there's not a huge issue. They may need some oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was not the case with him because I guess he went through a lot of period of time that we thought we got through with fluid, and he had no fluid during that time, so his lungs didn't develop normally. Um, so he was very, very sick when he came out. I mean, he, he tried to breathe, and he just, there was nothing coming out. He was trying to scream. Nothing was coming out. Um, just, you know, like a, almost like a really hoarse, like low-pitched, you know, noise that he was trying emitting. That's probably something um, you'll never forget either. Oh, yeah, I'll never forget I mean, that. I mean, it was like, wow, he's here, and then I was just like, take him. I mean, the Please NICU, do something. Yeah, they put him on her for like a second uh-huh. and let her hold him, and I was like, he's trying, but there's, and then the NICU, so they had a big NICU team in there ready for us, and yeah. we were like, wow, this is overkill. Like, we don't need all this. Yeah. This is scary. Why are you all in here? Uh-huh. And it was like, it's almost like they, I don't know. I don't know if they knew, because they just probably case, told yeah. us. They told us what could happen when he came out. Yeah. We don't know what his lungs are. And I was like, well, okay, I think we got through a period of time. We were we were told, yeah. you know, it's like mm-hmm. in denial. Like, no, we were told this is fine. Yeah. Um, his lungs would be fine. He came out, and they were worse than you could have ever imagined. Um, I don't know what to equate it to as far as weeks, but, I mean, he was not good. Uh, so they immediately put him on support, uh, you know, started innovating him and, and, and throwing oxygen on him uh, with a mask. And... When they did that, it, it, he went downhill even more because what they ended up doing, what we found out was they blew they blew holes in his lungs mm-hmm. when they put that CPAP mask on him because yeah. uh, his lungs were so fragile. Yeah. yeah. So when they put 35-week pressure, oh, you know, for yeah. a typical 35-weeker, they put it on there and it just blew his lungs and deflated him. So uh, we they whisked him down to the NICU, um, got him stable enough, got him intubated, but his oxygen saturations were... For anybody out there that's in the healthcare field, I mean, he was like in the high 60s, because uh, I'm familiar with all that stuff, uh-huh. uh, you know, and I was looking on the monitor, and I saw like 68, 69, you know, 67, and that was, I was like, that can't be right, you know, so, yeah. well, what I did learn, though, was that his lungs, you know, not not to their fault, Any anything they did, it was just his lungs were so, mm-hmm. so, you know, plastic, basically, um, so my wife had to stay, I went down to the NICU, and, um, Eventually, they got him stabilized, uh, but there was, like, I couldn't even see him. There was, like, six, seven doctors around him in yeah. his little bed, you know, like, working on him, putting tubes in his in his side to drain the, because they learned he had the, the pneumothorax is what it's called when they get that air leaking, um, and just trying to get him stabilized, and that seemed like forever. I just remember being in the hallway and, like, looking in there, they told, and I just kind of, like, narrow vision, you know, yeah. and, like, it's that thing I'll never forget, and they... You know, I slipped down to the ground and just kind of sat there and, like, put my hand on my head like, this is not happening. And uh, and then a nurse came over and whisked me away because I was, like, in the way in the hallway or something. So, yeah, you'll never forget that. And, yeah. it's, of course, my wife being down, you know, in, in the recovery, trying to recover because she just delivered a baby. And she know? has no idea what's going on, and she's more terrified. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine what she was going through at that point. Um, yeah, it, it had to have been just a nightmare. Uh and the, the whole thing at that point was, I yes. mean, that was, he was delivered at 9.33 at night, um, so this was, you know, by, by the time they got him stabilized, it was the middle of the night, I think yeah. they eventually wheeled her over, um, 
she like demanded to be wheeled over and I think they wheeled her over eventually I don't even know what time it was yeah. 2, 3 in the morning I don't remember I didn't <laughs> sleep that night uh, so they got him stabilized but then had to break the news to us of what you know what was happening here and they they said he's got kidney disease you know they don't look like they're going to do anything those kidneys yeah. um, there's cysts all over him they're tiny you know they're underdeveloped uh, he, he just must have had you know a bunch of damage he, he was just born with end stage renal um, but then they said we can't even deal with that right now because his lungs are so bad. Um, so we're, we had a double thing there, but it was like couldn't even think about the kidneys yet. Yeah. You know, um, he wasn't peeing, he wasn't creating any urine, uh, and he was just very, very sick. I mean, at that point in the NICU, he had to be the sickest kid for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, those kids don't make it. Yeah. Um, so the lungs being that bad were very scary. Um, but then we reached the point. Um, where so he was on full support uh he was on full full blast ventilator um as much as they could without ripping the lungs back open so they had to be careful and kind of keep his saturations at a point where survivable but we're not going to blow his lungs again um and he did end up getting one more pneumo like on halloween like 13 days after he was born uh that was just a freak thing we thought you know here we go and then he, he recovered from that but um once they got his lungs stabilized enough, they thought, we're going to, okay, we're going to do this. So he had a catheter up until kidney transplant, which basically, he did peritoneal dialysis. So they put a tube into his belly, uh, coils in there, and into that peritoneal space, which is between kind of your abdominal wall and your, um, your you know, your belly. Uh, there's that little space called the peritoneal space, and that's, that's called peritoneal dialysis. So they pump dialysate in there, um, which is like uh, a certain degree of like, you know, dextrose water kind of deal, um, and it it basically uses the uses that fluid, and through osmosis, it pulls the bad stuff out of his blood essentially yeah. through like the little vessels that are on the peritoneal wall. Okay. Uh, so it's basically what comes out is kind of like urine. Yeah, but it's just getting the bad stuff out. Yeah, of dirty body. water, yeah. dirty you know, dirty water in there. So it pulls it out. And then it pumps fresh fluid back in. It sits for an hour, yeah. and then they pump it back out. Yeah. The machine does, and then it pumps it back in. It does that, like you know, on a nightly basis. It was between eight and ten cycles typically for us. Um, so eight to ten hours of dialysis every night. Um, and he could go probably a day without having it. He did at times, like when he had a surgery or something, he'd go a day or two without dialysis, and he'd be okay. But he, you know, get sick and and not be in a good mood. Not want to eat. Not want to drink. So uh, we did. We, we, rarely did that we really only did that when we absolutely had to which was like a surgery because mm-hmm. he had multiple surgeries um, just to fix some things so uh so yeah what so to place anyway where i was going with that was at six days old they said we need to place this catheter because that catheter then has to heal because yeah. it's basically putting a hole in the belly and that has to heal or else when you pump fluid in it'll leak right back out yeah so they needed time for it to heal and his numbers his kidney numbers which is like bun and creatinine were continuing to get worse um, just going worse, worse, worse. And then, uh, so they said, we need to do this. We're going to try to wean him off some oxygen because this surgery was not safe to put him under for that long yeah. with, on like full blast oxygen, yeah. basically, essentially. Um, so, and he was on nitric too, which is another medicine that would like, you know, open up the airway. Um, so what ended up happening was they tried to wean him. It didn't work. Uh, the morning came around for that surgery. We had to make a decision, basically, like, hey, what we were told when he was six days old that morning, we came in, and they said we had to turn the oxygen back up. He didn't tolerate it. Yeah. Uh, but we also needed to do the surgery. So 
they told us, they said, you know, there's a chance he doesn't survive the surgery. Um, we were, you know, so we were told that, um, and we, we had a decision to make, and there really, again, it really wasn't a decision to make. It was, he, he you know, we can't just let the numbers continue to get worse. We had to take the chance. So uh, we took that chance and um, said, let's let's do this surgery. Let's do it. So um, they said, you know, there's a chance he doesn't, he doesn't make it if he's not if we don't think he's going to make it we'll pull him up well you know we'll, we'll stop the surgery and you know you'll be able to come see him and stuff uh so obviously you know you you take that as you know you're not taking it as a grain of salt there you're taking it as they're telling us i don't know 50 50 uh, you don't know i mean so uh you know you want to believe that they're preparing you for the absolute worst and mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen but yeah, there's. We looked at their faces, and it was like we were reading their faces, and you could tell like this was very serious. Um, so obviously, that was like the worst three hours of our life, you know. Um, at the that longest point, and the worst. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, his his then his surgeon came out. Uh, we told we prepared our families. We told our families you should probably come down. Yeah, I, I, we didn't know if we he'd, they'd get to see him if something bad would happen, but we said why don't you guys come down mm-hmm. uh, and bring Wes and bring, bring his older brother just yep. in case um, so uh, after about three hours or whatever it was the surgeon comes you know walking down and we hear the footsteps and you know every footstep we were turning mm-hmm. and he finally shows up and pulls his mask down and he's like he went he did great it went off without a hitch that, that catheter's in yeah. um, so it was like holy crap you know, so. You can breathe. Yeah, yeah. so we breathed, but uh, we weren't out of the woods yet. So uh, he he also needed that to heal, and we needed his his kidney numbers to not continue to go down, so that we could start dialysis. But we needed that to heal because if they start pumping fluid in too early and it's not healed, uh, it could leak and then basically essentially ruin the procedure, kind yeah. of, because then it gets all moist in there and it, it won't heal. Um, so. Uh, the surgeon's like, we really, you know, need two to four weeks for this to heal. Uh, re- nicely, he goes, but we're not going to get that. He's like, we're just hoping for a few days, hope it heals, and then start it. Yeah. Well, what happened over the next ten days was, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but a miracle. So he, his numbers continued to get worse. I mean, every day they were getting a little bit worse, you know, and you know, uh, those numbers were going up. His kidneys weren't doing anything, and then uh, the next, I think we went. 10 more 10 more days maybe or or 2 weeks almost I can't remember the exact number when he started he started dialysis at 3 weeks old so it would have been 2 weeks um, his numbers got a little bit better and like stopped going down they did not go down for yeah. thir- I think it was 13 days they continued to get better or stay the same mm-hmm. so we kept putting off dialysis putting it off, putting it off, letting it heal um, we couldn't believe it because it was like they went they went down every day for six days and then all of a sudden you know maybe there's some science to it but nobody else could explain it to us yeah. why why all of a sudden you know his numbers weren't getting worse so that at two weeks they just said uh, let's just start dialysis and we can make him feel better yeah. we, can, we can make things better right now and I, you know we were like are you sure is it healed and they said yeah it's 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 going to be healed let's do it so so we started dialysis at three weeks old um, but yeah that, that that so then at that point. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. At that point, can you take another kind of breath and say, okay, he's going to make it. Like, we feel better about mm-hmm. him going forward. Yeah, when he started dialysis, things got better. Um, yeah, I would say at three weeks old, 
we kind of thought, oh, oh you know, we, we could get through this. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know, um, I think that was kind of the marker was when we started dialysis. Every, I think everybody got a lot more positive um, about his outcome. Uh, and then we started kind of education stuff, which when you start education stuff, it feels like, oh, they're preparing for us to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we knew we were going to be three weeks into that, I can't, Matt, like, yeah. we did a NICU for six days, and it yeah. was the longest six days oh, ever. sucks, yeah. I did so, four, like, yeah, I can't. First imagine mm-hmm. what that feels like when you finally have that hope because every day yeah. you're just hoping for that little bit of hope to say like <clears throat> oh that's in the future oh, yeah. and they never give you any so- sort of false hope on that yeah. so like, I can't imagine what that would oh, feel yeah. like after it's what terrible. you guys went through yeah so when he started that things got better we started on low dose uh, low prescription of that that fluid um, and then like I said he popped yeah he, he had another pneumo that we dealt with and then we had two infections that we dealt with that were scary and, you know, people told us this could get really bad, you know. Uh, so those infections were scary. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the point where it, it, we started to go uphill and, and um, started to get better was that dialysis. Um, and then his lungs just continuously got a little bit better each day. Yeah. Um, and we, we were there for 60 days, like, right on the dot. Uh, we got discharged December 18th. Our goal kind of around December 1st was we want to be home by Christmas. Yeah. Um, and he was still on a little bit of oxygen at that point, but just one by one, they just kind of peeled things off, took his NG tube out, yeah. took him off nasal cannula oxygen, um, and he, you know, then a, the last like week or two weeks was kind of like getting him to feed because mm-hmm. uh, he had never fed before, not even through a bottle, and he yeah. was, you know, a month and a half old. He just received like basically fluids and yeah. then an NG tube. They started putting milk through um, the NG tube. Um, so yeah, at that point things got better, um, and then we went home with a bunch of dialysis stuff right before Christmas, and yeah, we didn't care, we were just happy to be home yeah. after 60 days mm-hmm. living, living in St. Louis, so, so we're very familiar with the St. Louis area now, when we go down there, it's like, yeah, it's, sometimes we don't enjoy being down there, but it is like our other home, kind yeah. of, <laughs> with, and it probably will be for the rest of his, his life at least, so, or his pediatric life, I guess, so. Yeah. So when that happens and you get to go home and you know, okay, you know, that obviously feels so much better, mm-hmm. um, you know it's still a long road ahead for Ty. Uh, yeah. But at what point did you realize or find out that, okay, this is an option that we can explore to where um, we have the opportunity to, to do this for him? The transplant. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, we knew transplant was in the future, but we also were told he don't worry about it right now. He he's gonna be he needs to be ten kilos is kind of that number. Once he gets around ten kilos, we're gonna start to discuss it. Yeah. So it was like a taboo word, like you don't talk transplant until yeah. you get really close. Like, yeah. um, it's not even really on anybody else's brain. Any of your doctors, they're just worried about treating mm-hmm. dialysis and his kidney disease um, and making sure that goes smoothly. So, uh, he it it was. We knew that we would want to donate, um, so we continuously asked, like, when do we need to start? When do we need to start this process? And, you know, they just kept, don't worry about it, don't worry about it yet. Uh, and then when he started, you know, it, it was frustrating getting him to gain weight because the dialysis sucks the nutrition out of him. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't grow as fast and, and doesn't um, eat as well and, you know, as a normal kid. Uh, so it was frustrating, but when we hit that 10-kilo mark, it was kind of like the, you know, a celebration moment for us. Um and you know we told the doctors and the doctors knew he was 10 kilos and then they kind of get the ball rolling and, they, and they're like all right so you guys want to 
get tested and you're like, yeah, just do us first. Yeah. Not going to do a list. We're going to go inactive on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, the list is actually retroactive from when you're born. Okay. So he's actually placed back on that list from like two, you know, two years ago yeah. when we started. So, um, but we were like, no, put us inactive because we want to test first. If we have to do this, we'll do it. But um, we want to do family first. Yeah. So we just did me and my wife. And that would have been, so we started that process like uh, fall of 21. So uh, like November, October, uh, November, we started testing him to make sure he was healthy enough to receive a transplant. Um, And then me and my wife started filling out the necessary paperwork um, and kind of getting insurance on board. And then we started, when we decided to go with me forward after our initial blood work, um, that was February of this year and that's when that ball started rolling yeah um and basically it was like he's big enough for transplant he's ready it's just a long process of uh and he needed a g-tube too so we had to do that g-tube procedure in march uh and then he needed his belly to heal and so they said all right eight weeks after that so we put transplant in may Mm -hmm. and that g-tube that g-tube is necessary because he he needs fluid so he's He's only two and a half years old. You can't tell a two and a half year old, you know, that he has to drink a liter of water a day. Yeah. Um, or or else, you know, we're going to be in trouble because yeah. that kidney's that kidney needs water. Uh-huh. So because uh, it's my kidney in there, so it's a big kidney. Um, so it pees like a, like a big kidney. Yeah. Uh, so eventually it morphs kind of more to his size and then it grows with him. Okay. Um, but that's why we got that G tube. Uh, people ask us why we got it because he eats fine. He doesn't need it for food, yeah. uh, like some other kids do. Um, he just needs it for supplemental, like Pedialyte and water. Uh, so we got that done, and they put us in May for the transplant. Um, and we were about me and him were th- two or three hours from being cut open, and they pulled the plug on us. Yeah, he said some of his numbers were not right, and we didn't know why. So that was like crushing for us because yeah. it was like we were so close yeah we were in the hospital all the nerves with me i took my pre-op shower and like you know i was getting nervous and cause mm-hmm. I, i've never had any surgery before my life yeah i've never been put under oh wow so that's the first time being yeah. ever put under uh so uh we got sent back home and it was like we need to clear this little pocket of infection possibly that we might have we didn't really know so we did that uh and then Really, they got us in earlier than we thought, which was June 16th. They said, all right, come back June 16th. Let's let's do this. So we had a lot of positive vibes from the doctors, and they, all those numbers were good. Uh, so we finally did it, and um, we were down there for, I think, 12 days with him. I was discharged after about 24 hours, and um, then we were there for about 12 days getting him figured out. Kind yeah. of his, new, his new life and his new kidney, and it was just it was a long process, but... Uh, yeah, we we made it. Like you said, it's when when the opportunity presents itself, it's not really a question of would you do it because, like you said, it's your kid. There's no question. Um, but with the, with what you just shared about never been in that situation before, um, what was your thoughts when you woke up knowing, okay, it's mm-hmm. over? What yeah. did it work? Like, <laughs> yeah, that that was the scariest part. I wasn't scared for for the surgery. Um, I wasn't scared for them to take anything out of my body. It was more like, is this going, is he going to, you know, go through surgery and, and make it without a hiccup? Are they going to connect it fine? Because I was terrified of waking up and then my wife being like, you know, they, it didn't work or yeah. he, he didn't respond to the anesthesia yet. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he was under for, I mean, they told us both of us were going to be under for four hours plus. So, um, 
that was the, that was by far the scariest part. So, you know, when you wake up, um, I don't really remember much around that time, but I remember my wife coming in and just saying, he's doing good, he's in the ICU, he's, you know, his protocol to go to the ICU after, and, um, yeah, I don't really remember much about my hospital stay, I think I was on some uh, pain meds for most of the time, <laughs> but I knew I was ready to get out of there, because I was like, you know, they wheeled me down to go see him uh, once uh, that night, um, but um, I was ready to get out of there the next day, I was still in some pain, but it's like, I'm not going to sit here. Yeah. Like, just, they were basically told me I could leave whenever I wanted after, uh-huh. once they pulled my catheter out. So, uh, so yeah, we, um, that was, uh, that was the scariest part by far was, is this going to work or is it going to fail immediately? Or is he not even going to make it through the yeah. procedure fully? You know, I don't know. It's, there's all kinds of fears. This was just the, a bigger deal. You know, this is third surgery, but or third or fourth, whatever. Um, but this was the big one, so yeah, that was scary. The hashtag is tough like Ty. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this, h- how tough is he? I mean, yeah. this kid has, like you, like we talked about, he's yeah. gone through so much, yeah. and I mean, just look at what he is now. Yeah, it's uh, we definitely don't worry about him as far as being tough as he gets older. He's he's a, just a different, he's a different kid than our first kid for sure. He's he's a little bit more. Uh, Tenacious, uh, a little bit more attitude. There's just no. I don't think there's any worry about him yet being tough as he grows up. Uh, yeah, that, that hashtag kind of came came along, and um, it, he really, yeah, he lives by it. I mean, man, the kid. It, you know, I know people from the outside looking in are like, you know, oh, poor Ty, poor poor him, and we're just kind of like, he's. I mean, he, he's. It's it stinks, you know, make poking him all the time and stuff, and we feel bad for him. You know, he gets poked so much and bothered so much, and he knows exactly what's happening. You know, when a white coat comes in, mm-hmm. he knows what's what's going on. Uh, so that stinks, but we know at the same time as his parents, like, this is only making him more resilient and more tough, and it's like yeah. the only thing you could ask for your kids, you know, to get through hard times and be tough. And, and you know, it stinks that he has to go through everything, but, you know, from us, the inside, you know, it's like... We're just making them tough, you know. It's like, yeah. And, but we do want them to live a normal, a normal, you know, childhood, and that's kind of the goal with this kidney. So let's get him through. We just we just pray that it gets him through childhood. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't worry about this again until you're until you're a full grown adult, because you know that that will happen again where the time will come where he he'll, you know he'll have more issues and possibly need another kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we can hope is that this one gets him. A lot of years, two, yeah. two or three decades. Yeah. Hoping, so, yeah. What? Uh, what's the next hurdle for him? What does he need to do? I mean, to like you said, you want him to be a normal kid. Mm-hmm. What? What's the next thing for him? Yeah, just grow. Um, he's so small right now, but we're already seeing things like they say once they get that kidney, they 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 you know grow to where they're supposed to be uh, really fast, mm-hmm. and um, and then they you know they become. The person that the personality that they were born with comes out, yeah. um, and that man, that that is true. We're seeing him uh, the last like week since he kind of perked up and started running around with his brother again. Um, he he all of a sudden is doing these like facial expressions that we've never seen before, yeah. like the like <laughs> attitude. And I don't I don't know. I, it, it's it's weird, and I definitely know it's not just in our heads. Like he is he is doing things that we've never seen before. It's kind of weird. Um, but he's happier too. Like he's just he doesn't feel crappy in yeah. the morning when he wakes up. You know, the dialysis kind of 
punishes you overnight, I think, and he always usually wake up kind of like, uh, yeah. Uh, so he's waking up in a good mood, and yeah, it's it's changed. Um, but yeah, just grow is is his next hurdle. I mean, uh, you know, they say he's not supposed to do contact sports or stuff when he gets older, but. I don't know. It's going to be tough. What's contact sports, really? I mean, okay, you can't play football, maybe. But the big thing is they don't want they don't want him to take a pounding hit to, you know, a helmet to the kidney. Yeah. And then damage that uh-huh. that new kidney he's got. So it's, I don't know. He'll play sports. I, yeah, I you're not going to tell him he can't live. He's, no, he's <laughs> going to play sports. I, I don't know what, whatever yeah. he wants to play. But I'll tell you what, right now he's got a heck of an arm. Uh yeah, he's got quite the arm for a little two-year-old. He's, he got, he's got the arm action, so he's gonna play some. And he look every time he sees a ball, he like freaks out. He's like, "Dad, ball!" Yeah. So at the gym or whatever, and I took him to the gym. He'll grab anything around and just just chuck it. He loves playing catch with the older <laughs> boys, so um, he'll play something. Yeah. So we're not too worried about that. He'll yeah. Be, he'll be into some whatever he wants to play. So, uh, but yeah, that's as far as hurdles go. I mean, yeah, he's got lots of medicines and stuff. You know, anti-rejection yeah. meds. So. Drink water, drink fluids. Uh, let's get past this G tube because that G tube's temporary. It can come out whenever he decides he wants to. He can take commands and yeah. say, "I'll drink this liter of water today." So that could be a couple years. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. A year, two years. Like you said, try telling a two or three year old. Yeah, it's they're not. not gonna <laughs> I know he is kind of grasping the fact that hey, if you if you don't drink this four ounces right here in the next. You know, mom will tell him, I'm going to put water in your belly. Yeah. Because he doesn't like his G2 mustard. So. And so sometimes he's like, all right. And he drinks it. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, I mean, just grow and, and continue to take his meds, drink water. He has no problem eating. The kid eats all day. <clears throat> just, he's he's going to turn into a snack because he's constantly, anybody that has me on Snapchat understands that he is, uh, he is constantly <laughs> eating. It's almost a running joke. Anything with cheese. Cheeto puffs, yeah. and Cheetos, and Doritos. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got an awesome diet. <laughs> for um, for people who maybe don't know, uh, you're a firefighter here in Springfield. Your wife um, is she a teacher at Plains? Yeah. Okay, Hi. teacher at Plains, and she also is a volleyball coach. That's where I I kind of saw her first. And um, but for you guys, I think we we saw it and we we got to highlight it one time during basketball a couple years ago. But the support that you guys have seen from the community from your from Springfield from Plains uh, how much has that helped because having an older child having a child go through this and then you guys dealing with all this especially during COVID we didn't even talk about that I mean the support that you guys have had has to be just massive in the success of all this yeah yeah I mean it's it the the rallying around us that we had in the Plains community, um, you know, the Springfield Fire Department, obviously, uh, and then I coached out in Mount Pulaski with my brother. We, we had a ton of support out there as well. Um, you know, I think we had we were had shirts at, like, four or five different schools in the area that people were picking up and ordering, yeah. and uh, I, we had other, you know, people that uh, kind of organized that because we were still in the NICU, I think, um, at that point. But, yeah, just the... You know, not only the financial things of being down there for two months and living and being away from work, and um, we obviously had you know people raising money and stuff and to to help us and, and sending us like like food gift cards, you know, because we had the cafeteria there, but it was like man, I just, like, I get just to quick. not worry about it, like yeah. to not worry about you know 
oh, we have the storage money. Let's just, you know, we just needed something. I mean, we were back and forth from the hospital in the Ronald McDonald house all the time. And it was like we didn't really have any stable, you know, thing going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the financial the financial support that we had, people raising money was was awesome, and you know we were able to put that into we created ended up creating like a tough like tie account for him. Yeah, um, that that we put that in, um, and then the but the what meant more to us was like the community rallying behind him and just see how many like people were sharing stuff on Facebook and really just our, my goal with those shirts, uh, what I wanted to make sure it you know that shirt entailed was. You know, just spreading awareness about his condition that this does happen, and there are other kids who, who have this going on. You know, yeah. um, he he was a, in all in all, he was a very rare condition, but the kidney disease, you know, isn't necessarily um, as rare. So, um, and we didn't know who was going to be a match. So it was really like it was scary. Like, is he going to have a match? Like, we want people to know, like, this kid needs a kidney. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Um, as a parent, it was like we don't really care how that looks. It was like we want people to know he needs yep. a kidney because if anybody wants to come forward, we didn't know how difficult it was going to be to get a match. Yeah, you don't know anything about it. So uh, I thought, okay, well, I probably have to be the same blood type, but well, there's probably a lot more to it, and there is. You know, it's like you know, there's all kinds of little things that they look at to make sure it's it's going to be a match. So, so we wanted to spread the word and people just to know his story um, of of what he went through. So. Um, but the big thing was with those shirts, spreading awareness about kidney disease and about how he's going to need a kidney. And we don't know what that looks like, so just tell tell everybody yeah. that my son needs a kidney. You know, you see billboards with people like that, like you yeah. know, call this number if you you know if you're O positive or whatever. You know, so we hoped that it would never come to that. Um, so yeah, the really the just especially that basketball game. That basketball game at Plains was like. Holy cow! We walked in there and we saw the cheerleaders and all the all the kids warming up with those shirts on. Dude, yeah. I can't even explain to you what that was like. Like it's making me tear up right now because um, we did not expect that. We knew there'd be shirts at the game and stuff. You know, people that we knew. She coached volleyball out there, so she knows all the students and like. But seeing those shirts like all over the court and the cheerleaders like wearing those shirts, man, it was like holy crap. We t- we couldn't believe it. It was a little bit overwhelming, and I, I hate being. Like, I'm glad I'm not on camera right now. I, I hate being in front of the camera. And so I hated that. That gym was packed. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm not. I can't talk, Sam. I was like, you're. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to talk. So so luckily, you know, she's, yeah, she's she was good with that and being able to talk. And I just kind of sat there. So, um, you know, thanking everybody. It was like, I didn't want it to come off as, like, it wasn't a big deal to me, you know, not saying anything. Yeah. And. I wanted people to know how how big of a deal it, you know it meant to us just to see to see that support for him was like just it was unreal like to see all those. And I wish we could have spent more time there and you know and I, I kind of went back and I was like man I wish I would have said something like just thank you but yeah. I think we probably did a Facebook post not that that's good enough but yeah the the Plains community and I think it was I think it was against West Central yeah. does that make sense yeah. yeah. West Central, I mean, to see their cheerleaders and their basketball players wearing it, it's like, we don't know any of those kids. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy um, to see them them wearing it, too. It's like, wow, that's just, that was unreal. Um, that was a night I'll never forget, yeah, for sure. As short as it was, um, yeah, that, that's a night we'll never forget, for sure, because that, that was a, wow, this, this impact that he's made kind of, you know, came full circle for us. We couldn't believe it. When do you get to go back to work, or when do you have? I guess you have to go back to work. Yeah. Well, there's going to reach that point. I can't lift, you know. I can't lift some weight. 
I can lift like uh, you know I can lift high up and, and hold them. Uh, but the you know my surgeon was like, when you get to that four or six week mark, you know start to do things and start to be you know take it easy. And I kind of told him on that you know we had a Zoom call. I was like, you know Doc, I can't take it easy when I go back to work. I yeah, said, that's you know, not. I said I'm, I'm a fireman, so. If I have to pick somebody up, or you know, I can't, I can't just be like, "Hey guys, I, I can't deal, yeah. I can't do this one." You know, this is set this too big out. of a job <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, but there is going to reach that point where it's like, "All right, I gotta go." So you know, I gotta get back to work. Um, so I'm shooting for the beginning of August. I still feel some things, like if I sneeze too hard or something, yeah. I'll feel that tissue in there kind of really yank. Um, and I, I'm obviously not pushing it with lifting weights or anything because I'm, I'm in the gym a lot. So. Around and, and pick up light stuff, but I haven't really made that leap yet to do a full workout or anything. Uh, but I feel good. It's just that that tissue and that incision yeah. down there is kind of kind of still still making its way back to normal. I think so. Uh, we're almost we're almost to four weeks now. So yeah. hopefully a couple more weeks, you know, I'll be back. You talked about being in the gym all the time, and uh, <clears throat> for people who don't know or haven't been on Channel Fourteen Fifty to see your guys' pre roll. Um, the gym, Washco Strength and Speed, the training um, is obviously going well because you just opened up a second location in Jacksonville. How did that kind of come about, and what does that mean for you? Because I mean, that's that's obviously huge. Yeah, yeah. When uh, so I had been wanting to you know expand, uh, not necessarily have a second gym, uh, but I knew that time was coming where you know we had really exploded over the last twelve months uh, with the volume of kids that we had so i knew something had to um happen as far as making more room or, or we could make a leap at something a little bigger uh so what, what came about was i was looking at expanding the springfield location um and what ended up happening was i had a lot of jacksonville followers that um that would come twice a week to my springfield gym uh it kind of just you know i had a couple of parents out there really uh say great things about me and kind of spread the word and um so we I was continuing to get calls from Jacksonville. Uh, so one of those dads, uh, Jeff Mossman, actually approached me and said, hey, uh, you know, there's a space in, in Jacksonville that's that's open up. Would you be interested in having a gym here? Um, I said, well, I mean, you know, that's that's something to think about for sure. I was like, I'll think about it, you know. And then he's like, well, let's go take a look at it. So I was like, all right, I'll take a look at it. Not really thinking this is going to happen for sure. I mean, it was like, kind of like, I'll, I'll take a look at it, but sure. you know, I got yeah. a lot of stuff going on. I got kidney transplant <laughs> coming up. Like, uh, it was the timing of it was kind of silly, but it was like, I got to do this one. You know? So when I looked at the space, at, at, so it's at McMurray for those that don't know, it's, uh, there's a guy out there, Ryan Turner, that bought a lot of that, uh, real estate out there. Um, and he runs his business through it now. The headquarters is there for his business. Um, and he's got a fantastic gymnasium out there. That old Mac gym, he keeps, keeps it maintained and um it's clean and i mean there's i didn't realize the amount of camps and leagues that he's running in that gym right now um a lot of buzz around that around that uh, old mcmurray building it's not he's done something with it it's not just a college campus sitting there rotting you know like like you see with a lot of these colleges yeah. when they close down springfield <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> you know sci old sci and those buildings are just falling apart so uh so yeah when i looked at that it's basically the old weight room in there um i thought man this is perfect uh, so i said well uh you know what what do we got to do to make this happen uh i could possibly do it i need to get more manpower i need to get more coaches uh so there was that the driving to jacksonville getting a coach yeah getting a couple coaches that could help me out there um 
so we we made the leap and uh, made the investment, uh, equipped it with with you know brand new equipment, uh, threw brand new turf down, um, and really made it the way I wanted it to be. It was was what I loved about it, it was a clean slate, and I, I was able to do whatever I wanted with it. Uh, and cater it to what we do, which is you know, youth athletes and, and a group environment. There's multiple kids in the gym at once. So um, so making that leap, and, and then I just asked, spread the word, you know, and uh, it, man, did it spread. Uh, we got, I had newspapers calling me. Uh, we ended up doing a little article, which I got some calls off that out in the Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Courier, I think mm-hmm. it's called. Um and I got a ton of calls, uh, and at the same time, super stressful, like, through April, because my son was recovering from the other surgery, and we, it was sandwiched right in between what was supposed to be transplant May 19th, so, uh, I shot for a May 1st opening, I yeah. ended up opening on May 3rd, uh, I think, May 3rd or 4th, and, um, you know, getting those kids going, evaluating him, and, you know, we had a ton start at the same time, so... It was tough. It was stressful. I had to scramble and get a couple coaches that could go out there. And, and man, we got lucky with coaches. Um, uh, they've been great. You know, I haven't had any turnover out there yet. So, um, yeah, it, it really went off. You know, it's not nearly at the volume of kids that we have in Springfield. But as far as the Jacksonville, you know, that uh, West Central Illinois area has, has nothing like it yeah. is what I've gotten from mm-hmm. all these parents like we've been waiting for something like this there's nothing like it probably like maybe Quincy would be uh, the closest one yeah way. and that, you know, that's mean, quite a height yeah. you know, I've gotten Winchester kids in there yeah. uh, Franklin you know you could even stretch to Plains um, New Berlin yeah. um, all those kids out there and there's multiple schools in Jacksonville so um, it's yeah there's nothing like it I guess in, on, in that area which you know, for the longest time, there's nothing like it in Springfield. So, um, I just think the specializing, you know, you know, yeah. parents kind of kind of love that the fact that we specialize in in sport. Um, we're a safe environment. You know, I, I encourage all the parents to come in and take a look at what we do because you really it's hard to explain. You can't really. Yeah. Um, it's it's a safe environment. We you know we we make sure they're doing things the right way and uh, and at the same time getting 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 something out of it. And, you know, learning great habits and, uh, you know, sports-specific stuff, so. How awesome is it, how rewarding is it to watch guys like Sam Antonacci, watch guys like Mitch Dye yeah. put in the work. You know the work that they put in. Yeah. You see it. Uh, nobody else does. But then to have success, like, yeah, I don't think you can have a better year than Sam had. Oh, I man. mean. Yeah. To watch those guys do what they do. And I know, like, <clears throat> you know, only a, a small piece of the equation is what they do in the gym, but to see what they do, man, I beam with so much pride with those guys when I see them have that success. You know, uh, one of my first guys to really, you know, you know, win one of those Player of the Years was Cam Edmondson, yeah. which you obviously remember Cam. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of he helped put us on the map for sure. I mean, as far as like, you know, wow, guys are going there and getting a lot of success. And Cam was, I mean, one of those kids that you know, from where he started to where he where he ended up was nothing short of incredible, especially with his frame. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sure he had a lot of people telling him, you're not going to throw 90 miles an hour. No. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he, he told me, he said, I want to throw 90. And uh, um, that's part of the equation, but most of it was his work ethic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and kids putting in the work. But part of the equation is absolutely the gym. Um you know, yeah, a guy like Sam Adonachi, the year the year he had at Harland is just like, and I I, I don't want to say I, I knew he was going to have that, but mm-hmm. 
I called that. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like you, the work ethic that that kid has. It was like I knew he was in for a monster year. There was no question about it. Um, I thought so many D ones missed out on him. Yeah. Um, I knew they were missing the boat on him. Uh, I mean, there were some that were sniffing, but nothing. There, yeah, some that were sniffing at him. Uh, but it man, and <laughs> boy, boy, I bet they're calling now. Yeah, you know, uh, it's like he, yeah, just when I when I see, there's just that you get that that feeling with some kids like mm-hmm. that where, like Mitch died too, where where they put the work in, you know, consistently. They're not taking two months off and then coming back and they're flaking. And yeah. these kids want to be there, and it's you know, part of it is yeah, they're there every day, but part of it is I know they're also doing other things the right way mm-hmm. to get better and. and and part of it's just buying into it, believing that you're getting better while you're doing those extra extra things, believing in yourself, and that's what those kids are doing, and that's why they're able to do such great things on, on the field. Um, so, yeah, the ba- the baseball has, has been big for us, but the other sports, too. I mean, um, kids are making leaps and bounds because they're buying into the system. They're buying into the programs. Uh, you know, they're coachable. Um, everybody loves a good coachable kid, and we have a ton of them. And it's, it makes my job easy. So, um, I'm not going to say you don't need to advertise because we like to yeah, advertise. Know, right? um, but when that happens, do, I mean, word of mouth among athletes yeah. and among parents has to just uh-huh. be huge right now. Where, like you said, um, the opportunity to expand has just got to be. It's going to only going to grow. Yeah, the word of mouth is in our line of work is is first and foremost um having parents vouch for you uh not only that you got a good program going on but that you're you're a good person you're a good coach and you care about the kids that's that's what you know i try to i try to keep up with kids and you know we have so many nowadays it's not as easy but i like to see all of them play play their sport whether it's through a channel 1450 clip or you know there's only so much i can do but getting around but we'll go to a random soccer game sometimes you know uh, we, we caught some girls soccer this spring uh because we're growing in that field too and then you know some basketball and you know i like watching clips just it helps me too like like oh i noticed you do this on the basketball court maybe this is an idea for yeah. here's how we can make that better um but i like to see live if i can uh, and catch games and i love hitting up you know a, an shg versus whatever it is chatham or mm-hmm. shg versus springfield and catch multiple people you know at the same time for both teams um but yeah, just that uh, that that word of mouth is number one um, for us. Just you know, because you can you can throw up a clip, and I love doing that pre-roll stuff and yeah. um, having people see it. And I get calls on it and stuff, and inquiries through the website and stuff. But uh, but and that could sometimes just get that first that first step, and then they ask somebody about you after yeah. they see after they see the clip. Yeah. So um, so both have been good, but the word of mouth is yeah huge. What do you see as the next step? What's the opportunities? Um, next step's going to be, uh, you know, now that Jacksonville is established and I'm hoping to grow out there a little more um, and then uh, reinvest here in Springfield. Um, we want, you know, there's a couple things in the works uh, here in Springfield. A couple of great opportunities, um, and, and we, w- we want to be a part of both. So, um so yeah, there's, I won't speak on much yet as far as where it's going to be or, or the building because we we're not 100% sure yet, uh, but there are bigger things in the works. But you're not going to turn people down. Right. Th- yeah, things that are bigger yeah. than me are happening right yeah. now uh, in Springfield, and some may know about it. Um, so we're, we're definitely... We're definitely expanding. Um, yeah. You know, we've been we've been in our spot, which has been great for uh, we're getting coming up here on six years, um, and that location has allowed us to to grow tremendously to the point where 
you know we have no choice but to to expand so um Jacksonville's established uh we'll, we'll grow a little bit there and then my guess is probably between october and december some bigger things are going to happen yeah. um with with washco strength and speed or or beyond so um i want to wrap it up to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about the rest of your family because i feel like we spent a lot of time on time yeah and talked about you obviously <clears throat> for good reason mm-hmm. um but what what was it like for your other son to, to kind of see this go through this and also like what do you guys do with him to kind of mm-hmm. you know not necessarily give him that attention but he does i mean mm-hmm. every kid deserves oh, yeah. attention for that yeah wes wes is my four-year-old um yeah he's man he's he's resilient and um he you know him and his brother are are very different personality wise but um yeah it was tough at times being away from being away from him uh that, that was one of the worst parts of being down in St. Louis, honestly. Um, but we tried to get him there, you know, when we could, and he understands. We've explained the kidney thing kind of to him and how it happened. They took it out of me and put it in him, and now he's better. He doesn't have a machine anymore. Uh, so he understands a little, but, I mean, uh, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know any different. It doesn't impact his life, like, tremendously, I don't think. Um, he understands he's... He can't be quite as rough with Ty, you know, when he's recovering, and um, he's, yeah, he's a resilient kid, and he'll be fine. He's nothing, nothing, no permanent, you know, damage done to his mind as, as far as the the traumatic stuff that happened. He, he's, you know, he, he, he doesn't understand all of that, but um, one day he will, yeah. But he's a great big brother, he really is. He's, he's very, very good, very smart, too. And then to watch, to be able to watch... Um, your wife coach what's mm-hmm. that feeling like knowing uh, not only clearly she's very successful at that because mm-hmm. of the program that yeah. they built out there but um, to have that opportunity to, to kind of be not only the dad but to be able to watch her do, oh, yeah. do that work we love catching uh, you know the volleyball games and, and watching her coach and everything um, she actually did resign from that freshman position okay. this year yeah. uh, or this past year after last season. She, mm-hmm. you know, she wants to be around the kids more. And yeah. you know, Wes is starting to play sports. He's playing soccer. He's going to play t-ball in the fall. Um, and just you know, she she had put a lot of time and effort into that into that program. Yeah. She truly cared about the girls, cared about the program, um, and she, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been one of the toughest things for her. Kind of was putting that aside for yeah. putting that on the back burner a while because. Um, you know, I think she's a great coach, um, and she was, she, I don't know, she's very successful in sports herself. Yeah. Much more, you know, uh, that might have been, I don't know if that was Kirker's time, but or who, who was that when I'm covering her. Yeah, probably. But, uh, yeah, she was a three-sport standout at Williamsville. She was a much better athlete than myself. <laughs> so uh, she knows, yeah, she knows multiple sports, and uh, so our kids are in good hands there. Um, but, no, she, it was tough for her to quit that. Uh, you know, she, she, Still wants to be around on a volunteer basis. Um, I don't know if that'll happen this year or not. Yeah. Uh, and I know she'll come back to coaching. She'll come back. She just wants, you know, she's doing what probably a lot of mothers do, yeah. which is, you know, they have to go away for a little bit and then come back. You know, you, you know, your kids, your kids need you. So it's it's tough. And she was putting in a lot of hours, and she, you know, she doesn't want to do it halfway. She, if she's going to be there, she wants to do a full board. So, um, especially in a paid position. So, um, so she's going to take a break. Um, uh, but that program, you know, is I think going to continue to to be big and do great things. Uh, yeah. And I don't think she's going anywhere as far as the school goes for you know 
quite some time, so I don't, she doesn't have plans to go anywhere. So she she may circle back to it. I think yeah. I think she will. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Um, I want to make sure that we. You, you mentioned it just earlier about the awareness factor, and you wanted to spread awareness mm-hmm. for the situation. And hopefully, if people are still listening, they they obviously care. Um, but what do you guys need? Do you guys need anything? What can people do who I mean are still listening and are interested and mm-hmm. want to know more about your story or, or know how they can help yeah no I mean really just just keep you know keep wearing the tough like tie shirts mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he's still got fighting he's still he's still got a long road ahead um, and we'll make more shirts if we have to but no it's it's nothing you know we don't we don't need the you know financial or anything it's you know all that's you know, fine. Insurance has been been good. You know, you're on the phone all the time, but yeah. it's, not, it's not like things don't get covered. Uh, so, you know, we've got good insurance and all that. That's all taken care of. Just you know, um, occasionally we'll try to update on Facebook. Just you know, share the posts about them and you know, keep the awareness out there for. You know, we 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 you know, we want to give him the recognition he deserves as as he grows. That he you know he's been through a lot because you know you don't know what a kid's going to go through as he gets older and mm-hmm. understands that he's a little bit different. You know. Um, but, but, you know, he's, he's a normal kid. He's just got some, some health history and he'll always have health history. So, uh, no, just keep wearing the shirts, uh, tough like that, you know? So, uh, there, there'll probably be a time where we might need to make more shirts. I'm sure people will ask for them. They're the same kind of shirt that I use for my, uh, my business. So they're really comfortable shirts. That's yeah. the best feedback we get from them. <laughs> we wanted people to wear them. So I was like, no, let's get the, the high end yeah. shirt. I want people to wear them. I don't want it to be a... 100% cotton and shrink, and then it becomes a painting shirt, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so, no, no, we're, we're good. We, we appreciate all the support, always the shares and, and the people asking about them, you know. It's, that's, that's all we need, really. Cool. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you to Jared for taking the time and to his family for allowing him to take the time away to tell their story and to record the podcast. Talking with him was incredible, and I wish nothing but the best health and happiness moving forward for the Washco family. Like I said, I'm off for the next week, so please, let's not do any major commitments, area athletes, or no coaches quit, move, transfer, or anything crazy like that. We've got pigskin preview stuff in the works, and we've got more video shoots coming up in August before practices get going. Next week on the podcast is Glenwood graduate Emmy Pruitt. So tune into that one. It's another amazing conversation, followed by Asa Donaldson the next week, talking all things local football, high school and college football, and so much more. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. Thanks to Northwestern Mutual. I won't see you next week, but I hope you still tune in and listen to the podcast. The Mountains are calling.